0: Hey, family, it's good to see you. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you to the third row. <laughs> Everyone else is like, I'm pizza tired. Well, my name is Eddie. I'm the lead pastor of our Sterling congregation. It is a pleasure to be with you. I'm excited. I'm, I'm most excited because I get to be here on on the night where we do baptisms. A moment we'll talk about in a, in a moment. A moment. But it's, it's always a pleasure to be able to be around people who are uh, publicly being grafted into God's body. Well, it is, it is Christmas time and, and we're, we're well in, in the way. And, and maybe you're the kind of person who was ready uh, before Thanksgiving and, and you had everything in order. And for you, I would say, why? Um, maybe you're more like me and you're, you're getting things in order and you're, you're getting some of your decorations out. Uh, actually, we have this tradition, Pastor Stephen and I, we take our families to uh, this place, Snickers Gap, and we cut down some trees. And it's fun because our kids get to try and cut down trees, but it's not fun because we end up being the ones doing it. Um, we, we got rained out, but we're hoping for, for God to, to to meet us this this week, and we'll be able to go and do that. But as we think about Christmas, the reality is it has become this big amorphous thing for our culture we celebrate Christmas, there, there are events around Christmas, you have ugly sweaters, which at one point was unintentional, now it's this kind of funny um, rhetorical thing that we do. We, we have ugly sweater parties, there's a whole target section for ugly sweaters for men, women, and children, uh, and, and Christmas can kind of roll out of our hands and become something that, that means a lot of things that are actually unrelated to Jesus, and in fact, I was talking with some of the people who are part of our, our Sterling staff and, and one of the women was relating to me that, that one of the ladies she was discipling actually had no idea that Christmas was about Jesus. She had been having the parties and having the decorations and, and going through the motions but, but had no idea that there was a focal point in the, the celebration of Christmas and, and that focal point was Christ. And and so tonight I wanted us to think about what Christmas is about which is Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to look at John chapter 1. And John is going to he it's an interesting gospel because Matthew, Mark and Luke they kind of share content. And, and it's very kind of direct, you know, they're talking to their various audiences, but Jesus did this, he was a baby, and then this happened, and, uh, and it's, it's very in order. But John comes back a few years later and says, guys, there's some things that we've forgotten. There's some things I want to tell you about who Jesus is, what his incarnation means for us today. And I think that there's something pertinent that he would say to us about Christmas and who Christ is, what this incarnation means for you and me. So I'm going to read this, this is in... Uh, John chapter one verses fourteen through eighteen, and the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried, "This is the this is he of whom I said he who, come, who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace." For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that that you have given us so many ways to know us. Like characters in a story, if it had not been for the fact that you wrote yourself into the story, we never would have known you. I thank you, God, that you reveal yourself in nature, in its glory, in its grandeur, in its size and shape. And I thank you that you've revealed yourself in various ways through through prophets and speakers in your word. But most of all, God, thank you that you've revealed yourself in your son, Jesus Christ. That you you did not stay far away from us, but you came close. You took on human flesh. You dwelt among us. You You became present in a way that you had never been. And God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see that the glory that you offer to us is a glory of seeing and receiving your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us as we study. In Jesus' name, amen. We talk about glory in church sometimes, and I don't know if how often you come to church. Maybe glory is a word that you're, you're well related to. It's something you think about often. But it can become one of these, again, words that kind of sits out here and, and you kind of have an idea of glory, it's a good thing, it's a God thing, it's, a, it's this thing we pursue. But what, what is glory? And it becomes almost this, this uh, superstitious, awe-laden word, you know, the glory of God. And, and you hear people whisper about glory. Or you hear st- st- songs about it. We want to see your glory. And you're in, in worship and you're saying, I want to see your glory. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> God, I want to know and I want to see your glory. What does that even mean? Right? I hope I'm saying the right things. And that's okay. I find myself in that situation too. There's some words that you hear over and over and over again. And if you don't take a moment to pause... It begins to take on this kind of non-meaning, or maybe you're maybe you're in the p- position where you don't know what this means. You're you're unrelated to it. You don't think about it, and so I, I wanted to to hone in about something that that John says about the glory of God, God, and how He attaches it to this person, Jesus Christ, this incarnation. Right? If Christmas is about the coming of the Son, then we need to pay attention when He says something about the Son. And so he says in verse 14, and the word became flesh, right? Little baby Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen what? His glory. Well, well, John, what do you mean glory? Well, he says, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace. In Christ, we see God's glory. If you want to know ultimately what the glory of God looks like, look at Jesus Christ. The gospel summed up, the good news summed up, the awesomeness of God summed up can be expressed in a person, Jesus Christ. Now, that's not to say that there, are other, there aren't other aspects of God that, that we should explore, but, but he says, we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father. You see, there's a unique glory in Christ that we see. We see that God is father and son, you know, there there prior to this, there had not been as clear a, a revelation of who God was. But but John is saying, God is father. God is father and son. Right? This, this kind of breaks our brains when we begin to think about it because we say, well, God is one, and God is father, and God is son, and that math doesn't work for me. But there's something about the Trinity where God the Father is this. Overwhelming, ever a, a spilling out fountain of life that he he begets, he gives life to this son, and there's this son who's always receiving, and from the foundations of the world, from before creation, he was always receiving. We have seen the glo- the glory as of the only Son from the Father. See, the good news about this is that that Jesus. Though he's the son, he reflects the fact that God is father. He doesn't put on a father hat. He doesn't say, you know what, for creation, guys, I'm, I'm, they're going to want a father, so I'm going to be a father. It's his nature to be a father. Do you need a good father? What has your life been? Have you experienced life where your father was not a good father? He failed you, he wasn't in the picture. Or maybe he was a good father, but he wasn't the best father. He was human. When we look at Jesus and we see the glory of God, we see the glory of a God who is father and son. And that means that he can be our good father because he is the good father of Jesus, his son. Not only is God's glory captured in his relationship to his son, it's also revealed in this idea of grace and truth. John says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we've seen his glory, dot, 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 full of of grace and truth. You know, when I think about the word glory, and I'm not reading the Bible, I tend to think of like tanks, you know, glory, war, uh, uh, huge sea vessels with, with jets on them, just power. I think of things like, like that, like missiles, things that would command attention, that explode and there's lights and there's fire and it's glorious and it's broad and big and powerful. And there's an element of God that, that expresses that, but it's interesting that he talks about the kind of glory that is full of grace and truth. You see, the glory of Jesus Christ is very different than, than the glory that you and I often come to the Bible with, the glory we're thinking of. The glory of Jesus Christ is the glory that takes all this power, all this strength, all this, all this expressions of awesomeness and, and humbles it down to a little baby. And babies are weak. Babies need diapers because babies can't control things. And we see in this expression of God's humility and humiliation, this idea that that God is coming with a different kind of glory. He's, He's taken on human form. He's gone from his place in heaven. Philippians talks about it. Paul talks about it in Philippians that he took his place and he set it aside and became humble to be a servant even to the point of death. We see that glory looks very different. We have this idea of grace. The glory of Christ is is in the fact that even, even though he upholds the truth of God's law, he offers grace to save as well. Grace and truth. Not only is Christ's life described as having grace and truth, he's full of grace and truth. He says he's full of grace and truth. Where do you run when you guys need grace? And and if you don't know how to answer that, where do you run when you're stressed out? Maybe where did you run when you were on the way to church today? Mentally, emotionally, where do you run, uh, maybe it's, it's at Thanksgiving time and you love your family, but also, man, your family. Where do you run when you go to work and, and you love your job, but man, my coworkers, or man, my boss. In those moments, what do you pursue as a way of, of, of releasing the valve? What is your functional savior? We all, we all pursue things like, like Netflix or Angry Birds or food. Right? It's Christmas time. It's it's Thanksgiving. We're we're eating pies, we're eating cakes, we're having ham because that's what you do in this time. While underneath we're maybe thinking I can get away with medicating myself through my eating because everyone else is doing the same thing. And we run to these things as our functional savior. And each, most of these things aren't bad, right? It's not necessarily bad to, to watch a show or to, to eat some food or to go relax. But when these big things become our functional Savior, we're running to things that are not full of grace and truth. And John is telling us the glory of Jesus Christ is that he's full of grace and truth. Do you need grace? Do you need grace? Amen. I need grace. I need so much grace. Ask anyone who knows me. I'm like, yes, that guy needs grace. And a couple other things. Some adjustments. No, we need grace. But the good news is that God has given us grace, not in a book, not alone in a book, not only in, in this, this program of, of behavior improvement or modification. No, he's given us grace in a relationship with a person who personifies, who, who embodies God's gracious favor to us, God's power for us to change, God's ability to do something, to transform our lives. In Jesus Christ, we have grace, full grace. In Christ, we see God's glory because he is gracious, but we also see God's glory in the fact that he's always been. If you look at verse 14 again, it says, the word became flesh. The Word had always been. If you look at verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then John goes on, and he says this parenthetically. He says in verse 15, John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. Now, if you've got... Siblings, you know that, that there's some benefits to, to being first. There's benefits to being the first child. You get to do things. You get to tell your, your siblings what to do. Sometimes you even get to like bring the spanky spoon to the parents, and, and you get to tell them you're in trouble. I mean, there are things, there, there are responsibilities with that power, but, but there are some benefits to being first. And I'm being somewhat facetious, but, but John is saying there's some real reality to being First. And, and he understood that, that John the, the Baptist had, had been first when it came to earthly ministries. John the Baptist came and then Jesus came. But John the Baptist did not want anyone to be confused. And he says, no, 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 no. This guy who's coming after me, he's higher because he was before me. He's higher because he was here way before me. The glory of God is expressed in the fact that Jesus Isn't just this afterthought person that God sends and says, okay, we gotta fix this. God was planning before the foundations of the world. God was planning before He created everything. He wasn't just planning, I'm gonna create something. He was planning, and in His providence, in His sovereignty, He understood that there was a way that He was gonna create the world, and the world was gonna fall apart through sin, and He was gonna send His Son to be the reconciliation and the redemption for His people before He had said, let there be light. And the son lovingly said, I'm on board. And that's glorious. Tomorrow you're going to make some mistakes. And you're going to think, oh man, I wish I had planned better. I wish I'd, I'd made better provision. And God's going to be in heaven saying, yep, I knew. I've made provision. I made provision before yesterday or tomorrow happened. I made provision before you were born. I made provision before your parents were born. I made provision before I said, let there be light. In Christ, we see God's pre-existence. And then he goes on to talk about grace some more. He says in verse 16, he picks up from where he was talking about in verse 14, we've seen glory, glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And he says, for from his fullness, we've received grace upon grace. Terrible English. No one should talk like this. He says, I'm going to read it again. For from his fullness, talking about the fullness of the grace and truth, we have received grace upon grace. Now, when you see a word for, it, it usually means because. And so I want you to try and stick with me for a second and listen to listen to the 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 logic of what he says. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. We have seen his awesomeness, his amazing wonder, his glory. Full of grace and truth. Because, why have we seen his glory? Because we've received grace upon grace. Seeing the glory of God is most clearly expressed in receiving Jesus for who he is. And he talks about this idea of grace upon grace. What does that mean? Well, he goes on to explain, uh, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He said, there was a grace in the law when when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt and they were being redeemed from from, uh, Egypt and slavery. God gave them the law. And sometimes when we think about the law, the Ten Commandments, we think those are bad and you know it's law but the grace is from the new testament no in the old testament god was expressing a kind of grace right the the ten commandments are given and he says i am the lord your god who brought you out of egypt he's saying i am the god who extended what grace there was nothing that the israelites had done that demanded that god save him them but he he goes and he says i am the god who has extended what grace the thing about moses's grace is that it was a provisionary grace, it was a preparatory grace, it was a pointing grace. It was a grace that said, there's going to be one who's going to fill this thing out. And so John says, we have received grace upon grace, grace instead of grace, grace over grace. When Jesus comes on the scene, it's not just this sort of uh, a picture of, okay, the law which says this is how God wants you to live, but it's a new heart which allows us to live a different way. When, when Jesus comes on the scene, he offers the kind of salvation, the salvation that the people were waiting for, where the Holy Spirit dwells within us and changes us. It's a grace that, that overcomes our weakness. It's a grace that overcomes our sin in a way that's different and superior to what grace was offered through Moses. And so listen to the logic that he says. He says, we have seen the glory of God because we have received the grace that is better than the other grace in Christ Jesus. (laughs) We can experience awe and wonder and beauty as we receive Jesus Christ. See, our problem isn't, it's not an ignorance problem. You know when we talk about the world and what 's wrong with the world, maybe if we educated everyone, things would get better, maybe that would help. maybe if we just eradicated poverty, that would help maybe if if we eliminated uh global warming, that would help maybe if we could just make everyone not be mean and terrible, that would help and all of these things are 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 somewhat true, but he's saying here that there's something deeper that we have to address and and that that issue is the fact that we don't see we don't see God and we don't see his glory the way we need to see it. And we can only see that glory when we see Jesus for who he is, as the one who offers a better grace. When you look at your life, do you, do you think, you know, God, thank you for all your help, but I got this figured out. I got, I got this figured out. I, I, I can handle this. You know, I, I appreciate what you've got, Jesus. Uh, thank you for your help, but I'm going to do these things and that's going to that's gonna fix the, my life. I'm going to get these things in order and then everything's going to be okay. I'm going to get this relationship set up and then things are going to be okay. I'm going to get to this place in my career and then things are going to be okay. See, that's not operating in this kind of grace over grace. That's operating in your own created law. It's not even Moses' law. He says, if you want to see the glory of God, look to the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. And ultimately, as we... As we finish up very quickly, John wants us to see that, that not only is, is Christ pre-existent, not only is he the son of God, not only does he represent and, 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 and show us the, the Trinity, but he is God. He says in verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. I'm sorry, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. There are a lot of pronouns in that. Super unreadable. It says this. This is the Eddie Bourne's trans, uh, translation. Don't tell Pastor Brett. Um, no one has ever seen God, the only God, i.e., Jesus, who is at the Father's side. Jesus had made God the Father known. Do you want to know God? Know Jesus. Do you want to know what Christmas is about? Celebration of God, saving the world? Know Jesus. Do you want to know salvation? Know Jesus. Do you want to know how the world came to be? Know Jesus. Jesus is God. And so as we as we think about Christmas, as we think about uh, Elf on a Shelf being super coquettish and uh, getting into trouble and being coy, if we think about uh, reindeer and Santa Claus and, and all the other things that, that has become Christmas, I just want us to... In, Think about the glory that is expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. Christmas is about a lot of things, and that's fun. It's fine. We've got Christmas trees. We don't. We, we're not against them. I don't know if we have a reindeer. We have a reindeer costume in Sterling. I'll, I'll say that. Maybe not for long now. But but family, don't don't lose sight of what God has done. God has given us a definition, he's given us a picture of his glory, of his grace, of who he is, his nature, and it's all in this person, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, we thank you that you love us, thank you that you've expressed, you, you've Revealed yourself most fully in your son, Jesus Christ. That in him we see your pre-existence. In him we see the fact that you have always existed. You've always had a plan. That you're full of grace. God, would you help us to, to live lives that reflect the fact that we receive and trust you. Help us to see your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.